This is Healing Through Love. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Healing Through Love. My name is Olivia Luna and I'm just a 32-year-old single woman who has never been in love before. And this podcast is my journey to find a healthy, healing, long-term monogamous relationship. Along my journey, I'm going to get to speak to some amazing people and some wonderful experts, and today I have with me Joe Partavilla. Joe is a podcaster and author with decades of experience in podcasting and terrestrial radio. He has established himself as a leading voice in audio content production, creating over 10,000 hours of compelling and engaging audio. In his best-selling book, Good Listen, Creating Memorable Conversations in Business and Life, He shares his knowledge and expertise, as well as his experience as a radio personality, sketch comedian, and award-winning filmmaker. So excited for you all to hear my talk with Joe. He's super insightful and super hilarious. Um, But before we get into that, just a friendly reminder, if you are loving this podcast, please consider giving a five-star review. It really helps in extending the reach. Also, if you love this episode, share about it, post it on social media, tag us at solidarity underscore media, and you can also head to solidaritymediaproductions.com to learn more and to keep the conversation going. So with that, let's get into today's talk. All right. So today I have the incredible Joe Partavilla. He is a podcaster and author. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, are you are you ready to like just dive into this? Ready yeah. To you know what? I know how this works. <laughs> I'm 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 down to clown. Whatever you want. Yeah. yeah, he's a pro. Um, so Joe, tell us a little bit about your beginning, like how you started, how you got into everything that you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So I was always a kid growing up that all my friends, their heroes were like athletes and movie stars. And to me, my heroes were talk show hosts. And I know that sounds really weird in retrospect now, but like David Letterman was my hero. And uh, I grew up watching like the old Johnny Carson show and then Jay Leno, but Letterman was always my hero. And that's what I always wanted to do for a career. I want to be like, I want to be in show business. I want to be able to talk to people. And and that's what I want to do in life. But I was just this kid who was born of immigrant parents. My mom was a Cuban refugee. My dad was a sailor from Spain. We didn't really have any network connections or know anything about, like, I wouldn't even know, like, this is the the mid-90s. Like, how would I even know how to get into show business growing up in New Jersey? So um, I, for some reason, had the wherewithal to apply for internships early on in my college days. And I know later on, I realized that a lot of people wait too long to get internships. Like, they're like, oh, okay, I'll wait till my senior year. I'm busy with all the stuff I'm doing. I'm going to wait. But I discovered that the earlier you do that, the better chance you have to identify whether the career you're pursuing is the one you want. Because sometimes folks will go through school and they'll go through their four-year programs and be like, oh, get an internship and then be like, oh my God, I can't believe I spent four years on this one thing and I don't want to do this. People are horrible in business. It's just not what I want to do in life. So I was lucky enough to do that. Sophomore year, I applied for an internship at a radio station in New York called WPLJ. Heritage, rock and roll, top 40 station, been there for forever. And I went in as sort of an intern, the kid who would like drive their van around, hand out free t-shirts. And one thing led to another where I, I was identified as someone who could, who has some sort of talent or was able to, you know, to work in this field. And they offered me a job while I was still in school. And from that point forward, I never looked back. I ended up spending the next 24 years of my life working my way up through the company from a little promotion intern into 
becoming the executive producer and co-host on the morning show uh, a couple decades later. So it was pretty crazy how it all came about. There was no master plan. It just was one of those things where right place, right time. And uh, I kind of just grabbed onto the moment and, and, and just wrote it. That's awesome. I mean, you, I've just talking to you for these few seconds or so, like you seem very just like naturally charismatic. Like you've just got like this great energy about you. Uh, was there something in your upbringing or anything that, you know, led to developing that sort of skill set, or were you just always like just gifted in that? Always, always saying always obnoxious. Is that what you're trying to say, Olivia? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> because it be, charisma could be confused for uh, obnoxiousness. But uh, no, you know, honestly, my parents were great. I mean, they mm -hmm. didn't know anything about media or like being performers. But my mom always told me, whatever you choose to do, I have an older brother, whatever you guys want to do, just be good people and enjoy it like just be nice to everybody just like have a good life i don't care what it is but as long as you're happy doing it and you're good to other people i don't care and from that point forward i've just was like it's just released the you know it released the kraken in me that like okay cool like this is who i am i'm very limited in what i can do in life uh, i always like to say that I'm, I'm highly unemployable there's very few things i do very well but uh, something I do very well is is, speak, is speaking to folks and communicating and and working in the audio medium, which I ended up doing and still do today. So yeah, I think it's just one of those things. Like I was always the little kid putting on magic shows and putting on shows for the family and everything like that. I just love the idea of entertainment. I love the idea of like making people laugh, making them think. Um, so it just it just kind of worked out that way, and I was just very fortunate. That's great. And how did that? I mean, from my perspective, that sounds like in terms of like your dating and your relationships, you'd be ladies, man, like you'd be, you know, uh, on fire. So like, how did that, was that also translating into your relationships? Honestly, no, because one of the things that I've really developed over time is self-awareness. And mm -hmm. I think it's one of the things that we all need to practice. And I didn't get good at it until much later in life. And my self-awareness was just like terrible. Like if people were attracted to me, I had no idea. Like I would have to wait for people to ask me out because I'll be like, I don't know if this person likes me or not. I was, I just couldn't, you know, for what people call now, read the room or, or feel the vibe. Like I had yeah. none of that. I couldn't do any of that. Ugh, you're um, one of so those guys. I, I apologize. Yeah. I'm one of those. <laughs> and, but I think it's, I think a lot of people, men and women and, and whatever gender you are, I think experience that where sometimes we're so in our own head, we don't know what the world is respond how the world responds to us or what the world is thinking about us that we we just don't find ourselves attractive or we don't find ourselves uh, worthy as a partner for somebody else so uh it's just one of the things that i always kind of grapple with i was also uh, and i know it's not a term people like to use nowadays but i was the fat kid in school so i was mm -hmm. i i kind of blossomed later on so i never really dated in you know junior high or high school and stuff like that so not till i got out of high school and then college and then my in my professional life I, where I was more a little more self-aware of who I was and more confident in who I was as well. Mm, that's great. I'm glad you were able to like really develop that for yourself because I I definitely like I, I struggled with like being personable or being able to talk to people um, and it was actually my mom who like really pushed me into like modeling and acting and like things that would really try to pull more of that personality mm. out. Um, but it's still like it was still a performance at the end of the day, right? Like I still wasn't comfortable in in who I was and really just sharing myself. So for a long time, I was 
you know, kind of like acting and just like putting on this Olivia that like I thought people wanted and it would differ from person to person. Do you find that like there's a little bit of like coding, I guess, that you need to do or do you ever catch yourself like maybe in in that voice, right? That radio voice and not like your true, you know, just Joe. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing is that we sometimes are so tough on ourselves and I think we need to each give each other grace and ourselves grace. And I think with you and me, I think once we find our tribe, it's you're able to excel in that world. And I always like to say there's a difference between tribe and tribal. Like it's oh, everyone should be part of a tribe because they feel like they're like everybody else in that tribe. But the idea of tribal to me has more of a negative connotation because that means I'm only sticking with this tribe. You know, it's like uh, we're recording this after the State of the Union address and you saw tribe and tribalism. You saw the tribes sitting in each other's each other's chairs but then the tribal mentality of like oh no that person's on the other tribe so i can't applaud it that person does so i think finding that tribe and i think you probably did as well when you surround yourself by people that allowed you to be you and let you be your best self uh, i mean it's a great part of the world uh, that we live in now with technology that we can connect with people that who don't live within a 10 mile radius of our house um so being part of that tribe i think really helped me because then I was surrounded by folks in my similar industry. I mean, most of my friends through my 20s and 30s were all like people I knew in the industry because that was my tribe. That was people who understood that, you know, I worked really weird hours and that I can't go out late at night because I've got a morning show to do the next day. So uh, that's a key piece, I think, for a lot of people when it comes to eventually dating or putting yourself out there. It's like make sure you have that base group around you to, to really sort of transform the butterfly you know it's like the whole cocoon thing like to to, to sprout your wings you, you sort of need that tribe around you yeah find your tribe i love that absolutely i think that was a key thing for me when i started like you know really diving into like my healing journey understanding my patterns and who i am like it can be so isolating just yeah. you know really sitting with yourself and looking at your life and it, it to an extent it should be it's it's an individual work but having that system of support around you to get you out of your head when you get into that negative like self-talk cycle, you know, have fun, explore different parts of yourself. We learn so much about ourselves through other people. So definitely keeping good company around you is is, is crucial. So I love that. Um, can we talk a little bit about your book, yes. Good Listen, Creating Memorable Conversations in Business and Life? Love the title. How did that come about? So I was not one of those folks that had a book on their bucket list. I never thought I had a book in me. Uh, you know, I'm sure if you run into like 10 people, like eight of them, be like, yeah, I would like to write a book one day. I was one of those two that did not have that desire to do so. Um, but so what happened was during my career in radio, so I worked for this radio station that I mentioned for pretty much my entire adult life. And then in 2019, uh, the radio station was sold to a Christian broadcasting company. So they blew up the station, and I like to joke that I was fired by Jesus. Um, So I was looking for my next career path. And while I was working in terrestrial radio, I was also doing podcasting. And I was hired uh, by this publishing company in Charleston, South Carolina called Advantage Forbes Books, where we publish books for entrepreneur CEOs. But what they had planned on doing in 2020 was to add podcasting. So they wanted an expert there to show people how to produce a podcast, host a podcast, do what it takes to, to make a professional sounding podcast. Um, and when I took the, the gig, I was like, all right, cool. I'm basically going to do the same job I was doing in my threshold days. But what I didn't realize was in my threshold days, I was working with the best of the best, the best talent in radio and communications and media. And now I was working with folks who wanted to host a podcast, but never listened to a podcast. 
So there were these skills that I had acquired from working in, in terrestrial radio for so long that I really just kind of took for granted. I just assumed like, oh, okay, everybody could kind of do this thing. Again, going back to our original conversation, we're like, we think like whatever we're doing is like, it's not so special. And as I started working with folks, I realized, man, it, it'd be great if I could like help other people who maybe can't afford our services or don't want to work with us. And because a lot of the lessons I put in the book are just a lot of the anecdotes I shared with all my clients that I work with that I learned huge lessons from. So in the book, I write a bunch of celebrity encounters, but I don't use those encounters just to be like a name dropper. It's really just like, hey, these are some really cool experiences that I had that I learned and grew from. And uh, that's how the book came about. It was just kind of like, it was really fast to write because it was so top of mind to me. It was like everything I was doing in my day-to-day -day working with my clients that I was like, okay, cool. I'll just put this in the book form. Mm bold <laughs> that's like that's great <laughs> i mean for somebody who had no intention of like writing a book or i i think there there's like two people and types of people in this world like people who really love writing and folks who just don't like to yeah. do it so i commend you for uh pulling that out of yourself in in a way yeah. that was i think you know fulfilling but then also like you know provides a service you know beyond maybe even what you expected to to other people um so that's great what are some like key like takeaways that yeah. folks can, you know, get from your book? Well, I mean, the book is called Good Listen, like you mentioned. And so a big part of my book is just the listening piece. We are mm -hmm. all just terrible at listening. And it's something we need to practice on. It's sort of like talking about self-awareness. Like we need to to work on that. And so that's a big part of it. And so when I wrote this book, Olivia, I was I didn't want it just to be like how to be a podcast or how to be a radio host book. I was I was coming at it from the mindset of Hey, these are skills that'll be great for a podcast host, but they're even better for humans. Like the stuff that I talk about in the book, they can be great if you do a podcast, but man, they can really help you in your day-to-day -day life. So that's why it's called yeah. creating magical moments in business and life. And listening is such a big part of our problem in this country. We refuse to listen. I mean, one of the things I talk about in the book and I talk about every day is like the curiosity piece. We are no longer curious people. Like we just don't care about what other people think anymore. We just want to be in our silos. And again, going back to the tribal and, and tribe, like we just want to be tribal. We don't want to go and listen and hear what other people have to say. So, and I think this is a lot drilled down in our, in our childhood. I'm, I'm sure you will probably like this, Olivia too. Like your parents would be like, why do you have to ask so many questions? You know, and then, you know, you, you drive parents and adults crazy. And I think maybe subconsciously that acts in the back of our recesses of the brain. And we're like, we don't, we stop asking questions, but the, the thing with my book and what I do today is like, you just gotta be curious and ask questions. And if you're coming at it from a, a good place for coming at it from a, 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 like with kindness, there's no such thing as a, 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 a offensive question or a question or a dumb question or anything like that. Like mm -hmm. if, if you're coming from a place where you want to find an answer to something, there's no reason that you shouldn't ask that, but I think we're just so afraid to ask questions nowadays. Absolutely. Um, and yes, to like, to go back to what you were saying about, you know, our childhood, my mom's phrase was like, figure it out, like figure it <laughs> out, right? Don't ask me how to do it. Like you need to figure it out. And while there was some good in that, like it did build um, just sort of like my own ability to, to figure things out yeah. and like problem solve and everything. It did hinder me from, asking questions because I was afraid like, oh, she's going to get mad. She's going to get upset. Like, I'm going to look like I don't belong at this job or at this, you know, in this relationship, like if yeah. I'm asking too many questions. Um, and it's also, yeah, I've seen it impact in, in dating as well too. 
people are not curious on these dates. Like I feel like I'll go on a date and it's like, it's either the conversation is very one-sided, either I have to do all the talking or they're doing all the talking. There's not enough, like, like, like you said, like good, thoughtful, in, intention-filled like questions, you yeah. know, not just like filler, fluffy, yeah. you know, how was small your day talk. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, small talk, but like really thought-provoking, like, okay, you know, who is this person and, and, and who, who are you going to be in a relationship with me, yeah. right? Um, can you talk a little bit specifically around like dating and relationships? You know, what are what are some things that you feel like as in society that we're getting wrong? Like, obviously, yeah. we're not doing enough listening. We're not curious enough. But anything else? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to pull in the thread. We talk about asking too many questions. I mean, I mm -hmm. think there could be a point where you ask too many questions. But the problem is you're just not asking the right ones. Mm -hmm. I think because if you add the ask the right questions, you're not asking 100 questions. You might be asking five. You know, it's it's. I think it comes down to that. And again, what we've been talking about, if it's thoughtful, it's if, if you're curious about the person. And I think one thing that I that I draw a parallel to my book and and also in in real life with relationships is we all do this when we have a when we we're going to set up a date or meet someone. We we what we do is always we Google the person. We check up their social media. We see their. I mean, that's pretty normal. Like I, I'm not. This is not something new. I'm revealing here. We all do it. Um, but I think it's one of the things where we're not looking for the right reasons. We're kind of looking for, oh, God, who's this person's ex? Oh, what was that? Instead of, hey, and I know this is going to sound kind of like gauche and crass a little bit, but like look for content. Like look at it, but their social media account and be like, oh, cool. They went to Cancun last year. Let me bring that up in the day. Hey, I saw on your, your – tell me about your trip to Cancun. And I think it's using the person's social media or their uh, internet uh, footprint to fuel conversations, especially early in a relationship, because a lot of times, especially if it's super early or you just barely know the person, you can only go by what's online. So use that, use it, but use it to an advantage. Don't use it just to like be like, oh God, what is the outfit this person's wearing here? Or what do they do? It's like, use it as like, oh, cool. This could be something I can, oh, they, they, they enjoy this show. Let me ask them about their perspective on this show or this news subject. So I think using that and, and again, driving that curiosity piece of being able to just find out more about that person, unpeeling that onion a bit. I think that's what you can really foster a relationship from the, from the get-go. It's like, oh, the fact that you, you, first of all, you went through the trouble, if you want to use that word, to do your homework on the person. And I know doing homework kind of has a negative connotation, but I think we all have to do homework uh, when it comes to relationships. So doing that little bit of homework can really make that, tr that really tough, awkward transition at the beginning of a relationship go really smoothly. Yeah. And, in, and like you said, it does, it shows effort in a way, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think there can be a lot of negative connotations around like, I don't know, online dating and then like how much information is available online. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I encourage everyone to be safe and smart about their yeah. practices online. But I think that there is we we're living in an age where information is readily available and we don't have to go into um, a date like fully blind or any kind of relationship. Yeah. Right. Like it's the same thing when you're applying for jobs. You do a little bit of research into mm. the business before you just like you know, I mean, at least I do like before yeah. I just submit an application. Absolutely. Um, just to make sure if it's going to be like a good fit from the start. Um, and those steps you're talking about mm -hmm. is the fact that say, if you're one of these people, maybe you're not like the quickest draw or the, or you're super charismatic. If you, if you're thoughtful and put the work before the date, how much easier that date is going to go. I mean, you mm -hmm. don't have to be, you know, the, the Dave Chappelle or <laughs> you don't have to be the, the funniest person in the world, but as long as you're, 
it, it just intuitively interested in a person and want to know about them without you putting the pressure on yourself to be like, oh man, I got to be entertaining. It's like, just put, put the spotlight on the person you're, you're speaking to. Love that. Love that. Um, qu quick question. Curious question. Um, are you currently in a relationship? I'm in a long-term uh, married state. I've been married uh. for uh, 25 years now. So yeah, mm. I, I, we got married very young and well, I was younger than her, but I was married very young. And it's just one of those things where I met my wife at work, like a lot of people do nowadays. And going back to what we were talking about earlier about the fact that you like being surrounded by people who understand your profession, like my job was really bizarre. So I worked morning drive in New York. So that meant I had to get up at three o'clock in the morning every day get to be in the office by five. I'm on the air till 10 o'clock. Then I've got to prep for the next day. I'm going home to take a nap. And then I'm getting up, having dinner or hanging out and then going to bed by 10. So being able to find someone who can understand that and be sympathetic to, to the dynamic of my life was very important. And uh, my wife got it from the jump. She worked in radio as well. And so we just, we, we're just like a great match. I love that. Congrats. And yes, like knowing the dynamics of your life, I think that sometimes can get put on the back burner in dating. Like we prioritize, obviously, physical connection, emotional connection. But like, it does your life really fit into this other person's, you know, day to day, you know, kind of scheduling and everything? Like, can we um, can we have those conversations of just upfront of just saying, okay, this is what I do. These are my, this is my availability. Like all of those things. Is this something that, you know, you can, you're going to be able to align with, right? Like if you work late, like you said, early mornings, late yeah. nights, things like that. And you're happy with that. Like if you, if you, if you are a, uh, a night hawk and love the nightlife and you expect to have a partner that's going to be out with you every night and the person has maybe a super works early in the morning or has a job where he just is not allowed to go into work the next day with a hangover, then maybe you're not the right fit for that person. But it's one of those things you have to weigh on early. And I think a lot of it draws to, and I'm sure you're familiar with the movie in the book. He's just not that into you. That was inspired from, I think one of the things that's, that that's important when talking about this kind of thing in schedules, if you really dig that person, you will go above and beyond. Maybe you know, if you're not a morning person, but you'll all of a sudden be like, man, I really like this person. So I, I won't, I won't go out late at night. Maybe we'll, we'll call it a night at 10. You know, maybe we'll come up to some agreement where maybe we don't go out every night, but maybe like Thursday nights we go out. And then the next day, if that person's really into you, be like, all right, cool. I, one day a week, I'll probably just go into work a little more tired than usual. But again, it's just really that piece of, are they really into you that they're going to go above and beyond than just sort of like slotting you into their day-to-day -day mm -hmm. schedule, whether it's their, yeah. their, their social life or their business life. That's true. That's true. Effort, balance, compromise, all of those things. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about like, so if someone's in a relationship, uh, whether it's romantic or work life or anything, difficult conversations mm. um, that are maybe, you know, tough to talk about any tips or advice on like having difficult conversations? Well, I think the one thing is keeping your emotions in check. I think mm. one of the things is you never want to have that difficult conversation at the worst time. So if it's something that is something that blew up in that relationship, whether it's romantic or, or business that just happened, don't have that difficult conversation like now, you know, let's be, you know, put a pin in it and be like, Hey, listen, um, we really need to discuss this further, but I don't think right now is the time. So I think timing is very important when it comes to conversations is one is try not to do it too close to whatever 
impacted that conversation. Um, another thing too is like it's the old motto, like when you're gonna write an email that's kind of nasty, put it in your draft folder and then send it the next day. I think we <laughs> need to do that when it comes to difficult conversations. Be like, hey, listen, I don't think I'm I'm ready for this conversation, but tomorrow I could be, or maybe the next day. Give me some time. Mm. So I think the timing is is super important. And another thing, it's a lot of stuff we've been talking about, Olivia. It's it's just the fact that. If you're listening and give the person grace and see where they're coming from, I think that's – if you combine those two elements, I think you can both get through a difficult conversation because it's sometimes harder for another person than the <laughs> – one half than the other, uh, but it, 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 you're in it together. So regardless if it's tougher for one or the other, it's you're in it together, so you've got to try to work your way through it. Mm, absolutely. That was a hard lesson for me is realizing like – I, I cannot, like, as much as I want to just, like, solve this now and, like, have the conversation yeah. now, I have to give time for, like, my emotions to move through me and not speak from that place. And so, like, like you said, like, setting, I think also if you're going to set, like, a time limit, like, make sure you discuss, like, when when the actual conversation is going to happen. Because sometimes I'll feel like, you know, if I'm having a difficult conversation, especially with a guy who's maybe a little more avoidant, oh, I don't want to talk about this right now okay, when, you know, like, let's yeah. set like the time of when. So that way, you know, my anxious style doesn't like freak out, like texting you and blowing you up. Like, when are we yeah. having this conversation? You know? Um, but also, yeah, like giving yourself time to just really process, go through the emotion that you're experiencing and then, yeah, give yourself grace and compassion too. Like, it's okay. We'll get through this. It's just a difficult, you know, chat we got to have and we move forward from there. Yeah. And Olivia, and what's important too, is I, I like to use, business terms when talking about life, but your life is not a project. You're not a project manager. So if, if anyone listening to this or you have worked, or worked in project management, it's very sort of antiseptic. It's very transactional. It's box checking. I think a lot of people sometimes have that mindset in their life, like they're checking this box. So if it's like, okay, today I have to have this conversation. Okay. Um, tomorrow I'm going to go on a date. Check. Uh, t uh, today we're going to do this. Check. If you have that sort of mentality all you're doing is checking boxes and you're not really thinking about the the, the your life or or living in in the moment you're just thinking about just checking a box i my wife and i always <laughs> one of our big arguments is that she worked in promotions and marketing which is a lot of it was was project management it's like making sure the uh, you have this event date booked you have these people hired and so her phrase was always like i've got to get this off my plate and she'll sometimes bring that up. Like we, we just built a house in Charleston and she'll be like, okay, we, thank you. We have to, we have to, um, we have to do this one project. We have to, you know, put in the irrigation system. We got to get this off the plate. I'm like, hun, there is no plate. We just have to make sure we do this right. It doesn't matter when it happens in what chronological order. So getting out of that way of life, I think is super helpful for people because I think, once people collect lists and boxes, they feel like they've missed out on something or they haven't done something correctly or in the right order because they're not checking their boxes. So you're like, so you're, you're not a project manager in your life. Your life is your life, <laughs> regardless if you've put the, the uh, an incredible list of items you need to do. Uh, I mean, obviously we all have things we have to check a box on, but when it comes to life decisions, it's not checking a box. It's really just living in that moment. Uh. Joe, the control freak in me disagrees, but okay. <laughs> no, yeah, that's very true. I love that. That's a great point. Um, 
really quickly for so we're on a podcast you do podcasts you help mm -hmm. podcasters i actually talked to um quite a few podcasters in just this conversation um tips for you know starting out and doing a podcast yeah i mean i will say one of the things that i think is important for people especially if the podcast is not going to be at the moment like a career or mm -hmm. or something that's a, a grand scheme if it's something you just want to do I always say set expectations for yourself and for the audience. And what I mean by that is a lot of people are like, okay, cool. I'm going to do this podcast. So I'm just going to do a weekly podcast. And then all of a sudden life gets in the way. And then the dreaded pod fade happens where all of a sudden that podcast just, uh, uh, it just all of a sudden just stops. You're like, you'll look and be like February 1st, 2021. And then there was never a podcast after that happens all the time. And the reason that is, is because, Whoever's doing that podcast is not setting expectations for themselves. And so when I say to handle the, the best way to handle that is to set that expectation. Say, listen, I've got a job. I've got a relationship. I don't have all the time in the world to, to put into this podcast. But you know what? Maybe I can record 12 episodes and I'll do one season of 12 episodes. Then all of a sudden, you know, okay, cool. I have 12 potential topics to work on. I'll record them at my leisure. And then once all those 12 are recorded, I will drop them accordingly on a weekly, bi-weekly, whatever schedule you come across. And then once that that those 12 episodes are done, then you're like, okay, cool. I'll take a break and I'll get ready for the next set. And now you've not only given expectations for yourself, you've given expectations to the audience because now all of a sudden they're like, okay, cool. Olivia's got 12 episodes. All right, awesome. Cool. Can't wait till the next 12 start. And so that is such a big part of it why I think a lot of podcasts fail because I think and I mean fail in terms of just like disappearing. I'm, I'm not talking about monetary or kind of, uh, you know, authority building or anything like that. I'm just talking about in terms of like why they just go away. It's just because people don't realize that it's just hard. And if you've got a busy life, if you've got a relationship, you've got kids, you got a, a job that's really time consuming to to try to squeeze in a podcast, something that people do professionally, <laughs> you know, people spend eight hours a day to work on one podcast and you've got other things. It's really difficult. So I think that's super important. And the other part is the professional piece. Even though you're not getting paid to do this podcast from the jump or see any kind of monetary uh, outcomes to come in the near future, if you treat it like a profession, it's going to sound much better as opposed to just like, I'm just going to do this for the hell of it. And of course, that's me coming from my old school radio ways of like every second counts. You know, it drives me crazy when I listen to a podcast and there's like an edit missing. Like I'll, I'll be like, I'll be listening and I'll literally say out loud while I'm walking my dog. I'm like, why didn't they just cut that? And it just, it just again, <laughs> it just drives you crazy. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it, and just those little things can make your podcast sound so much better if you just give it a little TLC. Yeah, a little bit of that effort. Remember, we were talking about that. See, yeah. it, it goes back to dating and relationships too. Like totally you got to treat it like it's a relationship. I love that. Um, thank you for that. Uh, and noted for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, my last question. So our podcast is Healing Through Love. So Joe, how do you heal through love? I think I heal through love by having a person that will be with me when I am down and when I'm up. So when I just feel like being blah and sitting on a couch, that person's like, I'll be, I'll sit on the couch with you. If that, per, if I'm feeling up and they're like, Hey, cool. You want to go on a hike? Um, so I think 
it's a, it's a bit of like what we talked about earlier and surrounding yourself. And this is like when it comes to relationships, like p- being with that person who can sort of like ride your emotions because life's an emotional roller coaster. We're all going to be ups and downs. But if you have someone who's there to be with you on the ride and be with you literally like sitting next to you in that, in that car, I think that's, that's sort of like what makes me feel like my best person and what makes our relationship work is that, you know, and then obviously when you're with someone for a long enough time, you can kind of see those sort of signs and you don't have to be explicitly told like I'm having a bad day. Like you can just tell that they're having a bad day. And as you can tell from my energy, my wife can easily tell when I'm having a bad day because all of a sudden I'm really quiet and I'm not so obnoxious. Um, but I, I think, like I said, going back to the healing thing, it's like, it's really just about like ha- having someone who kind of knows you inside out. And I think that's what we're all searching for. Like to have that person that knows when, when it's a good day and when it's a bad day and what they can do to improve it. I love that. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Joe, any last words, where can people find you? How can we keep up with your, with your journey? Oh, well, thanks, Olivia. I'm very Googleable, if that's a word. So if you Google Joe Partavilla, you can find my podcast, you can find my book. Uh, I'm, I'm on social media at Joe Partavilla, mostly on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Uh, and if anyone has any questions about, uh, you know, podcasting or communicating, just just hit me up. I'm happy to help anybody. And uh, one thing that I always, I always talk about when, when what I'm doing is, you know, I think it's important that we become more aware of the people in our life, but we need to really be become more aware of the people outside of our life. We just really need mm-hmm. to stop, get out of our silos and just be curious. Just find out why people feel a certain way. And as long as it's not a toxic type or, or sort of makes you uncomfortable, there's no reason that we can't become a closer world and a closer knit community if we just sort of just try. We just need to mm-hmm. try. Absolutely. That's as simple as that. Just try everybody. We can do it. We can do it together. Joe, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Olivia. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Healing Through Love. If you have any comments or questions about today's episode, feel free to reach out on social media at solidarity underscore media. Also, you can head to the show notes of this episode to find links and ways to get connected with today's guest. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to talking with you guys in the next episode. Bye.